Welcome to the South Australian Drought Hub podcast, strengthening drought resilience for our farmers and regional communities. We've just come through a couple of years of La Nina, which brought wetter than usual conditions and contributed to major flooding in some areas of Australia. For many producers, drought seemed a long way off, but we know that's not necessarily the case. The Bureau of Meteorology is saying we're probably moving into an El Nino this year, meaning that a period of below average rainfall is likely and drought is again possible. One of the keys to withstanding drought is to prepare for it during times of good rain. The South Australian Drought Hub is working with the state's producers and others throughout the ag sector to do just that. To discuss how, I'm joined for this SA Drought Hub podcast by Dr Stephen Lee, Director of the Hub, and Tony Randall, the Hub Knowledge Broker. Gentlemen, thank you for your time. Thanks, Drew. Thanks, Drew. Before we dive into the Hub, I want to understand briefly about your backgrounds, because the Hub's a relatively new innovation, but both of you bring a wealth of agricultural experience and knowledge. Stephen, what about you? I know you got your fingers on a few crucial blueprints in the state. How did you end up in the hub in your background? Yeah, Drew, long story short, I've had a passion for agriculture since I was a youngster, studied at Urbury Ag High School, and then have gone on to work in a research and industry development role for the last 20 years. Really, really enjoy working directly with farmers, creating change, taking science back to the lab and then going back and working with farmers again. So that's really led me into the the hub in terms of it's just allowed an expansion of that effort. I alluded to blueprints there as well, and they were actually industry blueprints, weren't they, for two sectors? Yeah, so the the industry blueprints for the sheep industry and the cattle industry here in South Australia, uh, I had the good fortune of being the inaugural manager of those blueprints and really developing that industry-wide strategy to increase productivity, increase profit and increase overall industry income. And they've been going really well and that they're a collaboration that spans right across the supply chain from farmers right through to retailers. I think once again what appealed to me about the hub was the collaboration piece. Collaboration right across the state with a multitude of wonderful people and organisations to work with. So certainly time out in the paddock with dirt on your boots and same with you Tony, you date way back in fact to actually being a soil consultant I understand. Yeah I I had a short period as a soil consultant, I studied soils at university and my first job out of uni was nothing to do with soils at all, it was more around land care and environmental management. Prior to that I'd I'd worked in the Northern Territory and we'd we'd done a, a lot of weed control work on cattle stations in the top end north of Catherine which was just a wonderful opportunity to see some of Australia's wild country and I've worked for natural resource management agencies uh, across the years and across the time but largely off my focus has been on agriculture and sustainable agriculture and the longer I've worked the more I've gravitated towards agriculture in my career. Both of you are very invested in getting out in the paddock, working with primary producers, understanding their needs. Steve, you talked about the appeal of the collaboration in this process. So what's the broad purpose of the hub and what's it trying to achieve? Yeah, so the hub has core funding from the Commonwealth Government's Future Drought Fund. We're one of eight hubs across Australia. We span right across South Australia and the, the core purpose of the hub is really to improve resilience of land managers and regional communities. So our focus is around improving productivity resilience on farm, 
but also improving environmental outcomes and improving community outcomes. Tony, you're the knowledge broker. How's that gel with what you're doing? It's a really, really good fit, Drew, because my experience over a number of years has shown me that you can't separate agriculture from the environment. The two go hand in hand. Farming is dependent on the natural resource base and the natural resource base is in, can be enhanced by farming. If we work to manage the two together collectively and we, and we put the, the management of, of drought resilience over the top of that, I think we can get some really, really good outcomes in South Australia and across Australia. Well, that's important to point out. South Australia is one of what? How many hubs? Yeah, one, one of eight hubs and the, the eight hubs work really closely together. We want to be collectively successful in delivering improved drought resilience right across Australia. That nationwide focus is important and drilling back to the state, there are numerous farming groups, production groups around the state that work with producers. So aside from the focus on drought, how does the hub bring something new? If I go back to the start of the hub, when we were setting the hub up, we undertook a series of consultations right around South Australia. We went over to the the Air Peninsula, down to the southeast, up to Coobapiti, and talked to producers, primary producers, pastoralists, right across the state, to see what they wanted from a drought resilience hub. What type of projects, what sort of activities did they want to see that would be relevant and applicable to their local communities? What would give us the biggest bang for our buck, if you like, in those local communities. Some of those ideas, we ended up with close on a 1,000 ideas that people put forward, and that was from a range of producers and organisations, uh, real, really diverse. Some of those ideas were very locally specific, and some of them were, there was commonality across the state. And even some of those ideas, there's commonality nationally across the hubs, and we've, we've worked those through to national projects in some cases. So... The idea that producers' priorities are put forward and that they come to the surface and that the projects are developed based on what people on the ground want as opposed to what a a funding body might want or what a large organisation might want to do or, or what they see as a priority has been key to the development of the hub. That's engaged, and going back to your point about the grower groups, the producer groups in South Australia, that's been really key to engaging them and their member base in the hub and giving them the opportunity to do the projects that they really need to do and that they see as the, as the, the key priorities. We have, as a hub, we have an unparalleled network. We've got engagement and collaboration across the farming systems groups right across South Australia, all of the landscape boards in South Australia, the three universities... SADI, a range of industry service providers and First Nations organisations. That network together, I don't think, has been assembled prior to the SA Drought Hub. And with that, the power of that network actually allows us to design projects that have a statewide reach with local delivery that gives us measurable improvement in drought resilience. So that's the bit that excites me about the hub. It's an incredibly broad umbrella. It is, yeah. And potentially powerful outcomes. And so it says to primary producers that we're taking this very seriously. Yeah, it, it does. And I think that the Future Drought Fund, when it was established, really had the remit to look forward and say, how do we give a long-term pathway to improving resilience right across regional communities and farming systems in across Australia? And that's what we're seeking to achieve. Tony, you said there was over a 1,000 ideas that came onto the table and you've been working through those. So can you give some examples of real-world impacts that have emerged from the hub's work? Yeah, definitely. So one of the one idea was, particularly with grain production, was the time of sowing and early sowing. 
dry sowing of seed in years where the break of the season is a bit late. So this is a practice that producers have been doing for a while, but just enhancing that to make it as well refined as what it can be. So we've started off with a a couple of projects. Uh, We had one on Murray Plains with Murray Plains Farmers Group and one on Air Peninsula with Air EP, so two really good farming systems groups here in South Australia. Those projects were quite successful and other groups have looked at that and said, oh, we want to get on board and and want to do a similar project. So we've worked with a range of farming systems groups in South Australia, Victoria, Southern New South Wales and Western Australia, and we've pulled together a, a project under the banner of Ag Excellence Alliance, a project which engages 15 grower groups from across southern Australia to do early and dry sown crops. And that project has been funded and will kick off, or it's kicking off as we speak. I think a really important area that we've got opportunity in South Australia for is around pasture and feed-based improvement in livestock production systems. And the hubs had a pretty significant effort around improving mixed species pastures. And The composition of the hub networks allowed us to have projects that involve farming systems groups, consultants, seed companies, scientists and landscape boards all in one project, delivering improved ground cover, improved soil properties, improved productivity, improved sheep productivity and then having that spin into a second year of and how do we make sure that feed base continues to prosper so they're the kinds of projects that I think we can see measurable outcomes on the ground as well as delivering outcomes that have improved ground cover improved soil and and improved feed and productivity for the the sheep and just following on from Steve's point there are a range of other funding sources out in the market so you know the research development corporations they fund farming systems groups and grower groups to and landscape boards and so on to do projects as well so the the work of the hub isn't exclusive. We ensure that by being grower group led that the work that we're supporting and we're funding dovetails into the the investments by the RDCs and and by landscape boards and and other funders, Australian government and state government, and really complements that work that's already been undertaken or is currently being undertaken. So it's, it's building upon, not trying to compete with Tony, you've talked about okay, these have been distilled down, there's things actually happening in the field. Can people see some of these things in action? Yeah, absolutely, Drew. So we've got demonstration sites from Mount Gambier to Marla across 30 different projects and over 50 different demonstration sites right through the agricultural districts and the pastoral districts in South Australia. That's something that we've worked really hard to do. And as I said earlier, we've worked with the farming systems groups and, and landscape boards and the, and the local groups to get these projects up and running and they're leading them. All of those projects are on commercial farms or the majority are. There's a couple on Roseworthy Agricultural College, a couple on research farms but the vast majority sit on commercial properties and they have field days, they have crop walks and sticky beak tours and all of those types of things where people can come along, they can take a look at what we're doing, they can ask the researchers questions they can ask the producer who's hosting the demonstration site they can ask them questions about why they're doing it you know what the benefits they've seen from it so getting real world answers from people who are have skin in the game the producers themselves additional to that we've got I mentioned some sites at Roseworthy. Those sites are being used by the the undergraduate students there and and we've got over 200 students going through those or utilising those as learning tools 
just this year alone. And there's some mixed species pasture sites and a few other things that we've got there. They're fairly small in their scale, but they've, they're massive in their impact, being able to engage so many students, consider drought resilience and future farming systems in their planning. For want of a better description, it's a broad church. You've got a lot of organisations involved, but I understand also you're working a lot with the next generation. You're providing opportunities for students. How's that working? One of the initiatives that we've been able to expand really significantly through the hub is an intern program with, uh, in partnership with SA Grain Industry Trust and two farming systems groups, the Hart Field Site Group and Air EP. And it's been just wonderful to be able to support those programs to have a greater number of interns be able to spend time with the farming systems groups in applied research, development and adoption. We know from past intern experience that the interns in those roles go on to really contribute into ag and the grain sector for a long time to come. So we're really looking at regional capacity building for both now and into the future. And an additional to that, we've got a, an intern based with SARDI, South Australian Research Development Institute, which is more of a, a research-focused intern. And that's, again, as Steve said, this is a pathway for someone to get engaged in agriculture in South Australia and to get a head start in the field and for us to ensure that those people are considering drought resilience in their thinking when, you know, when they graduate and when, they, when they've completed their internship and they're designing research trials and demonstrations for themselves. You've mentioned many different organisations involved and, and Steve, I think you also mentioned First Nations people as well. What, what's the involvement there? We know that there's a wealth of experience from 60,000 years of continuous existence on the land that we can learn from around sustainable agriculture, resilient systems. One of the first projects we've established through the Murray Lands and Riverland Landscape Board and the Nurunjiri Aboriginal Corporations, a series of yarning circles, actually understanding what the risks of climate change are for culturally important sites and then how to mitigate the risk against that and the same with drought. So we've had, a, I think, another wonderful collaboration in that that's involved climate scientists, ecologists and First Nations people all yarning together around a common topic, so drought and climate resilience. Tony, I understand you're seeing some impact from that those yarning circles? A lot of the First Nations people who've been involved in the yarning circles, and we had four yarning circles today, we're looking at doing some more, whilst they understood you know, the economic and the environmental impacts, they're widely covered through the media, they hadn't quite realised what the cultural impact might be upon their culture specifically, and this was for the, the Lower Murray region. And it's really sobering for those people to think that a lot of the traditions that they conduct at the moment and a lot of the the cultural business that's undertaken now might not be available to their children. Whilst that's very sobering is a a good outcome because it's raised awareness of the impact that climate change may have on culture and the people who've been involved in that have now started taking action to work out how they might address that. You mentioned so many groups that are involved, so many bodies that are involved. How though does somebody on the land get involved? Yeah, so we have a wonderful team here at the Hub. We've got nodes right across the state. So Minipa, Port Augusta, Oruru, Loxton and Struan in the southeast. Each of those nodes has a node coordinator. All of their contact details are at sadrouthub.com.au. 
it's really easy to reach out to those node coordinators and understand how to become involved in projects and activities and put forward ideas. And that web address too, it's not just a contact point, you've got a lot of information there. Yeah, it's a wealth of resources there, Drew, and also pointers through to other material. So it has details on all of the current activities and projects within the hub, as well as the contact details for Tony and myself and the node coordinators. It's a remarkable project been pulled together I would say compared to a lot of other organisations in a short period of time you're achieving a great deal. Thank you though for taking some time out Dr Stephen Lee Director of the Hub and also Tony Randall Hub Knowledge Broker. Thank you both for joining me for this SA Drought Hub podcast. Thanks very much. Yeah thanks Drew it's been a pleasure. And that concludes this podcast. You'll find more podcasts on the SA Drought Hub website at sadroughthub.com.au. The South Australian Drought Resilience Adoption and Innovation Hub is one of eight hubs established across the nation through the Australian Government's Future Drought Fund. The SA Drought Hub is an exciting initiative which brings together a dynamic network of primary producers, industry groups, researchers, government agencies, universities agribusinesses, farming systems groups, traditional owners and others to work towards a common vision to strengthen the drought resilience and preparedness of farms and regional communities in SA. Led by the University of Adelaide in partnership with the Department of Primary Industries and Regions South Australia, the hub is responsible for driving the extension of existing knowledge and practices to build drought resilience in primary production systems.